Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Sunday. I got to say, I'm I'm starting to believe in the Colts a little bit. They're, they 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 look to have some potential. So, Jake, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's really great. I mean, look, now, really, it's easy to yeah, look that, like uh, a yeah. superstar when you go up against the Bengals. I wouldn't put too much into this last game. Yeah, I, I I'd have to be honest with you. With the start they got off to, uh, that's two consecutive games where they've gotten off to an awful start. So you, you don't get all the warm fuzzies from this victory, to be honest with you. Especially with how the defense had played early on in the season, you just yeah. wonder what what has happened these last two weeks. And it's great they've gone into halftime in the locker room and made adjustments and have been able to fix those issues. But against the Browns, they weren't so lucky. They they couldn't come back and they were very fortunate to come back and and stifle the Bengals defensively and then for their offense to to move it along and score enough points to, to win because they were an enormous hole uh going into halftime so they got really lucky there there's it's a good thing they're going into their buy now because they got some soul searching to do right now oh as do we as do the Bengals mm-hmm yeah, soul searching is an eternal journey, isn't that? It is. Yes, I actually. <laughs> it's funny. I teach a course in soul searching. So, and I will tell oh. you this: Cincinnati Bengals really have sold their soul. I don't know if they could ever find it. They've well, they had it. to to get Joe Burrow. They had to. Yeah, they sold it to Zach Taylor. Yeah, that's a it's a good point by by Arthur though, because uh, you know last week the Colts played the Browns. Baker Mayfield played really well in the second and the first half and then the Colts threw everything that they had at him and then they ended up on top. But like, yeah, like the difference between the Browns and the Bengals right now, because you, you had once again a bad first half is that Colts actually have a really good coaching staff and the Bengals last two losses now have been indicative of severe coaching deficiencies. Either you get blown out of the water against the Ravens and their great organization staff and just overall talent. And then you have a game against the Colts where for some reason the Colts just looked like they were dead in the water for the first quarter and then something just came alive. And as as we know it, you know, the Colts just have had a better coach. Like Eber Lewis, Frank Wright, those guys are great play callers. Those guys are great, you know, schemers of talent. And that's kind of what we saw in this game. Like it was the Bengals losing in both ways the last two weeks that are indicative of just poor coaching. Either you get destroyed out of the gate and you fail to make adjustments or you don't know how to play with the lead and you don't know how to counter the opposing team's counter. It was just so damning on, on their reputation. Well, exactly, John. 
And you know, when I was watching that first half, I was thinking to myself, could it be that Zach's just too young and we've been quick to judge? Could it be that years and years of frustrations and loss have made us a bit on edge? Could it be that we need to be more patient? I was thinking all these things. But then by the time we get to the second half, I was like, what the hell? I mean, why is this guy, how many chances is this guy going to get? Because he's gotten a lot of chances. Right. He's been very patient. Uh, th- th- this was his 12th road game, right? And this was, I think, the one he was most likely to win. And all he had to do was just close it out. And I, I guess like, all right, the first quarter, the second quarter, they kind of cancel each other out, right? The Colts had an awful first quarter. The Bengals had an awful second quarter. At the end, at the end of the day, you go into halftime. It's basically zero, zero. It's 24, 21, right? From, from then on is where you can make the actual observations about what happened. So the offense failed to, to like put up a touchdown after that, you know, they had like a field goal and that was, that was the last points of, of their game. The defense, you know, did a decent job on the first drive, but then gave up a touchdown on the second drive. And if, if it wasn't for Jesse Bates making that, incredible interception Colts probably score on that possession and put the game out of reach at that point Jesse Bates gave that offense life unfortunately it was up to Zach Taylor and that offense to move the ball down the field and score and we just we have to talk about that fourth and one we have to talk about that third and one situation yes exactly what I was going to say because I saw a comment right on our screen blaming the Bengals defense Bengals defense did great I don't think a lot of the Bengals fans realize that you're in an NFL today where it's about outscoring your opponent not keeping them from scoring they don't realize that and 100%, John, it was that third and one when they bring out the fullback and everybody on both sides of the ball knew who was going to run it. He comes cold off the bench. And and why would you call that play, John? I don't understand. John, help me. I do not understand. There is no explanation to that. Like you said, it was a play that has a, a very minimal chance of working. And then obviously you put the trust in Bullock to kick a 48-yard field goal. But unfortunately, after making 15 in a row, he misses this. But Arthur, I want to I bring it to you. Like From that second quarter of Rivers, what exactly was working for the Colts passing game that, that wasn't working in the first quarter? Like, what, what what were they doing differently? Was it just the lack of Bengals pass rush or were they implementing concepts that were just better for what the Bengals were bringing? Uh, it's it's really stuff that hadn't been working or being attempted much throughout the first several games. For the first time, we really saw them go, and they were kind of forced into this, but they went up tempo. They put the game in Phillip Rivers' hands. There were a lot of downfield throws, lots of chunk plays, and that's just not what we'd been seeing previously. And Phillip had some really good games against the the really bad teams that the Colts have faced. And I kind of, it's it seems weird to put them in the same context, but the Jaguars wasn't all that great against the Jaguars. The Bears wasn't a great game. The Browns wasn't a great game. But now it, it, it seems like playing from behind with a pass heavy offense is better suited for for his abilities. The Colts had a lot more downfield things. I, I mean, Marcus Johnson, you guys probably didn't expect to see him go for 100. Neither did we. Although he's he's been the the Colts' best downfield threat since last December, really. Uh, he's he's got a catch of 25 yards or more in three straight games. So I don't know. It's I think this was more what the Colts were forced to do. They really like to run the ball, but they had to completely abandon that because of the the hole they were in. But just finding his guys downfield, Trey Burton has been a welcome addition coming back from IR. It's it's made the the Mo Alley Cox hoopla already kind of dissipate because Philip Rivers clearly likes Trey Burton quite a bit already. So it's just some some new things they were forced. Into into and and getting Trey Burton back was a big help as well. Yeah. Well, I I can't say much about the Colts. I don't follow the Colts, but I can say a lot about the Bengals. And I can say that when we, we saw AJ Green getting his redemption, that was a beautiful thing. When we saw Joe Burrow, first year, you know, quarterback up 21 points, doing everything right. The kid had a lot of dreams and he throws one interception at the end of the game and people start blaming him and the coaching staff starts to blame him. I'm going to tell you, 
if there was ever a game that proved where the blame lies, it was this game. It was this game. And the blame lies with the coaching. And I'll tell you this, Jake, and I don't know if, if it's like this in Indiana, in the, in Indianapolis, but in Cincinnati, we have, a, we have a problem with responsibility, culpability. Our coaches don't get fired very frequently and they don't take the blame very frequently. And that's a big problem. That's a big problem moving forward. That, that, that's how I feel right now. Kind of, kind of the opposite of what the Browns have going on in their neck of the woods. Exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, the coaching staff gets gets a lot of trust from from the front office. They they don't bring in guys they don't trust, and they're they're going to give a pretty decent leash to. Uh, a lot of people had been calling for Chuck Pagano's job for a, at least a couple years before he was let go. Same with Ryan Grigson. But no, there, there's there's not a lot of blame, uh, at least not from the fan base that goes onto the coaching staff very often. There there are definitely some some boo birds out there. But no, in, in general, they've, they've earned quite a bit of trust. But this season has been a bit trying just because you have no idea what this team is. We, they're four and two, but we don't even really know how good they are. They, they've, they've just made some self-inflicted mistakes. I thought yesterday, for the first time defensively, I thought they looked lethargic and like they just weren't ready to start the game at all. And that's not at all what we see from a Matt Eberflus defense. If you're doing anything, you're giving effort and going all out. And I can't say they weren't, but they looked tired immediately. It was it was really odd. But no, this this coaching staff has earned some trust. I mean, we'll, we'll see how the second half of the season goes as they enter their bye week. But no, they've. I, I think everything is still relatively rosy there. But but, but Jake, for, but, but first of all, I want to apologize for calling you Arthur about five minutes ago. Oh, you're good, Completely my bad. Um, but how well, how is it like watching a, a game with Philip Rivers at quarterback and a quarterback in the game throwing a game ceiling interception, but it wasn't Philip Rivers this time. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've had a couple times where it's just been a dagger, a bad throw, and everything. And I'll, I'll give I'll give Joe Burrow a little credit. I mean, he was trying to make something happen. The safety who picked it off, Julian Blackman. It just so happens his bread and butter is his football IQ and his instincts. So maybe not every defensive back makes that play, but a guy like Blackman. Does he was on the he was Burrow. on the injury report too, right? Yeah. So he. He's had a little bit of an injury thing this whole time. So he tore his ACL in the Pac-12 championship in December. And then I don't think he played week one, but he finally made his debut week two. And I think he was on the injury port one more week there after he returned. And then he had, I think, some sort of low, you know, lower body thing, like a groin or something. But he didn't miss very much practice time. Uh, but he was on the on the initial injury report, I think, as a limited participant. Mm. Yeah. Well, I... We'll say this. I'd like to hear at some point Dadio's insights here because Dadio and I spent a long time criticizing Marvin Lewis, criticizing Marvin Lewis. And we had the talent back then and we always thought, hey, if we get a new coaching lineup, things will change. We got the new day and we're seeing the same problems that we saw before, even worse in some ways. I'd like to see, I'd like to really hear some big ideas about what can be done, if not to save this year, to save this team. I mean, the Bengals aren't going to ever have a GM, fine. But are they going to have some, you know, culpability with the coach, coaching staff? I, I, I thought, it seemed to me that Zach Taylor was even blaming Burrow a little bit. If I got that vibe right, I remember there was a statement. I was trying to think what it was where he's pointing about the interception. It wasn't about the game. It wasn't about the interception. Am I wrong about that? I think I think you got a point. Like, at the end of the day, you're not going to have a traditionally run franchise here with, you know, 
traditional decision making. You're going to have a guy in Duke Tobin who's going to have his job for his life because he toes the company line. At the end of the day, it just comes down to the guys that they hire on the coaching staff being the proper talent evaluators. You know, that was such an issue in the Marvin Lewis era. When you had you know, Paul Alexander at the end of his tenure failing to draft and develop offensive linemen, same thing happened with Marvin Lewis. There was just a lot of staleness in that that whole process. And then you switch it up to Zach Taylor and you're running into similar problems where you have so much trust in the coaching staff to evaluate these players, not only in the offseason when making new acquisitions and draft picks, but, in, but during the season in terms of making the decisions about who to play and how to play them. So you're running into the same issues, but this time it's just a, a, a extremely less experienced staff making these bad decisions still, but there's not as much faith and hope in them because at some point, you know, like it has to get better at some point, but if it doesn't, then you're kind of just back to square one. Yeah. I wonder what that, what, what happens really? I'm really curious how, how things change. They, 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 they stay bad until they aren't, you know? Just, and you know, I'm, I'm also really worried about playing the Pittsburgh Steelers coming, you know, when, when we, when we play the Steelers, I don't remember. When's that game? That's like in I November. I think everyone's coming up. I think everyone's afraid of the Steelers right now. They're five and zero. They're five and zero. But I'm not afraid of losing. I'm I'm legitimately afraid of Joe Burrow getting hurt because the offensive line did okay this last game. It was better than the previous things. But but what do you think, John? I mean, this offensive line. Analyze it for me. Tell me what's 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 happening. It's bad because it's really bad. bad. Players. There's, there's bad players on it. Like it's Alex Redman and Bobby Hart holding down one half. And I, you know, credit to I guess credit to both those guys for for some reason we just didn't see a lot of DeForest Buckner in this game until the very end when he beat Redman clearly on a swim move and got a sack on him. So. You know, he was taken out of the game for a, a decent amount, but at the end of the day, talent will, will win. And Buckner is one of the best, if not the best, three technique in the game right now. And, and Jay can speak to this as well. Like, you know, it, he's by far the best player on that defense. And it, it just seemed like when he was when he was non-factor, the entire defense was a non-factor. Right. Yeah. And it, another common theme in these last couple of games is Darius Leonard has been out as well with a groin injury. And it's easy to draw those those parallels between okay Leonard is out and the defense has played awful and at least in the first halves of these games one guy can't make that much of a difference you know so without DeForest Buckner being dominant quite yet and you know early on in the game maybe that did play a role I I was a little surprised I I thought he would dominate from from you know start to finish and he did turn it up in the second half uh, had a couple tackles for loss and a sack but no it's it's apparently if if Leonard isn't in there and on and Buckner's not dominating, then that does a, a effect. It has a trickle down effect on the rest of the guys, especially with Buckner because he he opens things up next to him for the the defensive ends to to really get after the passer because he commands double teams quite a, quite often. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it is. I wonder what happened to AJ Green this last game. He was Something. looking pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. What happened? It was like we had lost hope in AJ Green. All of a sudden, he looked great. He was catching things like I, he had one really beautiful catch. It was like beneath the just down. It was down. Very yeah, nice. Was, uh, like in in the for the Colts credit, when Xavier Rhodes was lining up against him, I think Rhodes had a, a decent amount of success. You know, he gave up like two catches on four targets, but every other defender that Green was going up against, he was he was roasting. I think he, he was lined up against Anthony Walker for a couple times, and I think that was on, on one like a slant, like third down, where he just converted an easy first. So cre- credit to Green for looking like his old self. He got some good matchups this game. But how about T Higgins though? Like yeah, that, I love that, that guy. That was the that was, that's the first you know deep pass that we saw from this entire offense you know, going up against Rocky Sin down down the sideline. That was a great pick. Mm-hmm. Taking T Higgins was a smart move. I mean, I will give the Zach Taylor people some credit for uh, you know uh, personally. For example, I'll be honest with you. Back when it was between Burrow and Herbert, I was more Herbert. But then I understood that 
Burrow's the better pick because he's better for this team. He can actually coach himself in a lot of ways. So I realized that Burrow was the right move for this team. And now I love Burrow. I think he's the best. And T. Higgins was a good pick. So they did a good job with the picks. But I think it's time to move on to another team, Zach Taylor. Go on. You know, shoot. So I, I, I think that's a good segue for our final thoughts here. We got we to gotta kind of wrap up. So, so yeah. Jake, any, any final thoughts from this game? Like I said, I mean, it's it's a victory. You'll, you'll take a W anytime. But the bye week is very much coming up at a great time for the Colts. And not, not just focusing on the Colts, but I like to see – you know, other guys that I like from other teams doing well. I did really like to see AJ Green get going. Of course, not at the expense of the Colts. I'm a Joe Mixon guy. You know, T. Yeah. T. Higgins was picked one pick before the Colts in the second round when they picked Michael Pittman. So I think that was yeah, a possibility. That, that for the really Colts. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt you, but we do have to end the show. We are almost out of time. But don't forget to subscribe to our show, give it a five star review, and also to Jake's show, but even the Colts. That is all we have for this time. We will see you next time. So long, SVT. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.